somebody said um, something along the lines of like the wise man is the one who plants a tree knowing he'll never enjoy its shade you know and we have lost that mentality as a culture especially i mean i can only speak to western culture so i'm assuming but you know we don't think like that anymore we think about just getting those quick hits and getting as much as you can for as little as possible hi welcome to small business big bitcoin the show where we talk about what bitcoin means to small business owners and how small businesses can integrate bitcoin into their companies i'm aaron today i'm talking with doug from two rivers trading company doug is a small business owner and a maker of handcrafted leather goods he found Bitcoin in 2021, and we talk about what Bitcoin means to him, his family, and his business. His primary sales venue is a Wisconsin Renaissance Fair, and Doug explains what a Ren Fair is and his experience using Bitcoin as a pricing mechanism. Doug's company tagline, building a legacy one stitch at a time, is an avenue we investigate and what creating a legacy and maintaining monetary value means to him. He also lets us in on his Bitcoin business plans going forward. Links to Doug's website and Instagram can be found in the show notes. I hope you enjoy our discussion and please reach out if you're a business that has integrated Bitcoin into your company. And with that, let's move on to the discussion. Thanks for taking the time to do this. And uh, how about, uh, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us uh, what your business is? Sure. Uh, My name is Doug. Uh, I run a small business out of Wisconsin. It's a uh, uh, one or two man, depending on whether or not my children are involved, uh, leather business. We do handbags, wallets, uh, custom pieces. Uh, we just started doing a, um, a Ren fair last year, so we're moving more into the, perhaps you'd say, like fantasy type stuff. Yeah. Um, I've been doing leather work for about seven no eight years now and i've had the business for about three nice awesome um do the kids do this under duress or they volunteer for this i pay them for it i pay them for nice right on awesome yep uh so i'm i'm gonna i take it this isn't your primary fiat job is it a side job or is it your full-time gig uh i am a stay-at-home dad so it is my full-time gig but uh i i guess you would call my main job educating we do homeschooling and stuff like that so cool cool right on that's like a whole nother topic all by itself yeah exactly right yeah yeah um so is entrepreneurship something you grew up with uh yeah i've been uh uh my first job was when i was 12 years old i worked with my father delivering beds uh we were independent contractors for a I don't even know if the chain still exists, but it was called Beds Plus. Um, so on and off, I have worked for myself probably at least half of those years since then. You know, yeah. um, I've done uh, I've done things like uh, I owned a hot dog cart for a while, um, uh, construction on my own. Um, so yeah, it's it's always sort of been a. a kind of in my blood i guess to sort of go off on my own and do stuff i just you know some people might say that i just am not uh good with people but i don't know whatever man (laughs) unfit to be an employee yeah yeah that that's that's probably the case i just uh i end up i don't know uh well you're you're 
uh, independently employed, right? Like you understand how yeah. that can be obnoxious to kind of see better ways to do stuff, but like you can't. Uh, so, because, you know, the boss doesn't want it that way or whatever. You're, you're really trapped in someone else's creativity when you're, when you're the employee, exactly. assuming they're creative. Yeah. 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 Um, so do, do you think entrepreneurship is something that's, that's a learned skill? Do you think it's, it's something people need to be taught or do you think people maybe gravitate towards it? Um, I think, hmm, that's a good question. Actually, I think you can definitely be taught it. I think everyone should probably run their own business, even if it's just a small Etsy enterprise or whatever. I think every person should run their own business. Uh, so in that regard, it can be taught. I do think, however, that people, there are some people have a bigger inclination towards entrepreneurship. Um, because of their upbringing or whatever. I was always raised pretty independent. Um, uh, It was never my parents' expectation that I would go off to college and get X, Y, or Z job. You know, like that was never my prescribed path, I guess. So, um, so yeah, I would, I would, I would just kind of go with that as my answer. I think everyone should have their own business, even if it's a small one, just so you understand what it takes to do that. Um, and it could be as simple as like raising bees and selling the honey at a farmer's market or whatever. But, uh, but I do think everyone can learn how to do it. Yeah. It's kind of like a creative outlet. Would you say? Uh, well for me it is definitely. Um, but I think it's, um, I think it's for me and in terms of my, uh, at advocating for it, it's more about the idea that so many people don't understand what it takes to, they just don't understand, you know, it, it's, um, everyone just assumes that, you know, somebody who's running a business, oh, well, they got lots of money and they, you know, or their parents help them or whatever. And it's like, I, I don't, uh. I don't ascribe to that belief. I think that, um, it's, it's more about, for me, it's, it's definitely the creative aspect of it, but, uh, it's also about that need to like set goals and then hurdle over them kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that to be, uh, I think that's better for people to be faced with some sort of an issue and then have to figure out how to do it you know, like how to get around it. Yeah. And you don't have, you don't have a playbook from your boss. You don't have, you know, a clipboard that you can check. There's no answers to some of these things that are written down somewhere. You just have to go and figure it out. You know, that's, that's why I like it. Yeah. I, I guess when I'm, when I think creative, I, I, I do a lot of the back end stuff for the business. My wife is, a, is the front end of it. So she's, you know, usually she's the one in front with the customer all the time. And, uh, you know, I, of course I'm, you know, doing a website or, or managing something or, or together, maybe we're coming up with some kind of creative new idea. It's sort of a, an experiment a lot of the times to see if, if whatever new product we want to try and sell is going to work or not. I see. Uh, yeah. 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 I, and when I so, think of it that so creative way. from that aspect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're I mean, saying. I mean, I can actually see yours is extremely creative, isn't it? You're actually building your product, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, I do a lot of, uh, my own stuff. Absolutely. Um, 
And then, you know, I also, one of the things that I've discovered is that there are some patterns that are out there for sale that are just so good that it really doesn't behoove me to like try and reinvent the wheel on them. Right, you know right. what I mean? It's been perfect. So yeah, it's already been done and they're for sale and you know, you, you pay like a, what do you call that? Like a user fee basically for them. So like I have some patterns of wallets because I'm not a big fan of wallets per se, you know, like I don't really want to sit down and try to like develop the wallet right. kind of a thing. Yeah. But I love doing other stuff. Like I have a pipe wrap that I designed that I absolutely am in love with. And I'm probably more technically savvy when it comes to leather than like creative savvy, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, like uh, I'm pretty exacting in terms of my, you know, my cutting and stitching and stuff. But I, I, I'm no good with drawing at all, you know. Um, and I, I, as a result, I've never really learned how to use design programs and stuff like that. So. Is, is that what it, is that, do you can cut this, the leather for your work or is it? I have, cut? I, uh, I cut up until, up until probably last year. Uh, last year was the first year I actually bought, um, cutting dies. Yeah. Uh, and then this year I'm expanding a little bit more into that. This is this year I actually com uh, commissioned cutting dies to be made, uh, actually based on my design. So, cool. um, yeah, it, it, it's, it is just a huge time saver, you know? Um, so these so. cutting dies are, they're shaped metal pieces that you're going to then press into. Yeah. The so what leather? they do is they take a, like a ribbon metal. Um, it's usually thin enough. I, I, sometimes I think they put, uh, like a razor's edge on it. They, uh, form it. Uh, the ones that I had are actually formed into an acrylic plate. Yeah. So that way I can set the whole plate down on the leather and then i have what's uh um uh it's called a clicker die where you can just basically you pull the arm down it has a, a huge weighted head on it that yeah. comes down and just kind of presses it right through the leather that way you get a duplicated perfect cut every time so it's uh it's pretty cool yeah uh, it's pretty I, cool it's, it's definitely saved me it saves a ton of time you know and it also sort of helps with like uniformity you know, like if like for the, so again, for the, for the pipe wrap line, I'm really trying to create like a product there, like a line, not just a, a custom kitsch piece. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's nice to have that uniformity now where every piece will come out pretty much exactly the same. You know, I still have to punch it all by hand for a lot of it and sew it, but, um, you know, and so that adds its own uniqueness to it or whatever. But in terms of just, just cutting the pieces, that's, that's a huge chunk to kind of take out of my time. So right. it's, it's, it's good to have. Very cool. Um, do you want to, can you maybe explain the Ren Fair? I, I'm curious about this. Oh, Super sure. curious. I don't know if we have anything like that. I mean, you could probably tell me better if we have anything like this out on the West coast. I've heard of it, but, but maybe you could explain uh, that. Well, in terms of Canada, I couldn't tell you, but, uh, Ren Fair is short for Renaissance Fair. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of people are familiar with the concept, uh, but uh, for those that aren't, essentially, if you remember playing like Knights and Dragons when you were growing up, right, and you had the cardboard tube from like wrapping paper or something, and that was your sword. Okay, flash forward 30 years, and now you're an adult, and now you're still playing Knights and Dragons, except you get to wear like real armor and buy real swords from real craftsmen who are making this thing, so... Um, there's one here in Wisconsin. Uh, I, there's one, in, there's actually pretty much one in every state. 
Uh, so from California to Maine, you could probably, no matter what state you live in, could find a Renaissance fair. So, um, <clears throat> it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, uh, it's a really good way for artisans to sort of have a, um, a focused location of buyers, right? Because uh, right. pretty much everybody at a Ren Fair is a crafter of some kind, like barring like, you know, the food distributors or something like that. But uh, a lot of these people, they make their living on, they basically they'll take uh, six months of the year, let's say, and they'll make a bunch of product. And then they spend the other six months going from Ren Fair to Ren Fair to uh, sell their wares. So it's, uh, it's just a really good way, especially, um, now when like the markets on like the internet and stuff are so flooded with stuff from China and Taiwan, like it's really hard to compete and get yourself seen in those mar in, in the online marketplaces because it's, you know, the Chinese can produce a wallet that is, you know, it's pennies on the dollar compared to what I would have to charge for it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it, it's really easy to get drowned out on the internet. So this provides uh, a way for people to really, like I said, have a focused gathering of potential customers. So it's, it's a, it's a good way to go about it. And, and is it run for, like you said, every state, it, uh, do you go for months at a time at the Ren fair or do you, uh, it depends on where you're going. Some of them are only like a weekend. Some of them are just a week. The one that I do here in Wisconsin is a nine-week, uh, nine-week Ren Fair. Wow! Uh, meaning it's basically from it's Saturday and Sunday for the for nine weeks in a row. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, and so, like I said, then people there are people actually that they 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 don't have a home. They live in an RV essentially, and so and they'll go from like the Texas Ren Fair, and then they'll come up here, right? And it's like a direct line, basically. Because the, the time, so a lot of these rent fairs, they, because, um, because a lot of people like overlap, yeah. these rent fairs over the years have sort of kind of carved out their time periods so that they don't overlap. Right. Right. They don't want to, cause, cause not only are the vendors going from rent fair to rent fair, but there are a lot of just patrons that kind of like, this is what they do in the summertime. Right. It's kind of like when people used to go follow the grateful dead or whatever, Yeah, you know, they just take a summer off and they just go wherever the dead was playing. Some of these people are like that with, with rent fairs is they'll, they just go from wherever to wherever you know okay very cool i'm i i've seen video i've seen stuff on youtube but now you got me thinking this has got to be something that's worth going it's to, a good time i mean yeah. it's it's yeah it's definitely it's something to take the kids for a weekend you know have yeah. a good time with it um like the one we have has jousting um i don't know if it still has it but there was a guy who was uh crud what are they called the guys that have hawks yeah um falconry falconry thank you could not think of that word um so he'll he does a really cool demonstration with his with his birds he has a couple of them he'll send up and um you know do targets with them and stuff like that like just so it's it's a lot of fun you know and yeah um it's uh yeah it's it's definitely a lifestyle i'll tell you that because some of these people they put that's the other thing is um the work that gets put into the costuming, not just to the people working there, but like some people, they build entire personas for this Ren Faire, right? you know, and like, you know, with the tall hats and the big plumage and, you know, the, 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 just everything. It's, it's pretty wild. The, the kind of 
like I said, it's kind of, it's, it becomes sort of a, a lifestyle for them. So that is totally awesome. I think it's, yeah, great. it's very cool. Cool. Um, I guess that, that kind of, um, maybe you start to make a, a segue here and, and that's sort of what, what the whole purpose of this whole thing is. How do you then, uh, go incorporate Bitcoin into your business or do you incorporate Bitcoin at all into your business? So I am a relatively new Bitcoiner. Um, I started Bitcoining uh, December, January, I think, well, maybe February of last year. So 21, I'm class of 21. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really know a whole lot about it, uh, but I learned enough between when the Ren first start, when I started Bitcoining and the Ren first starting in uh, July, that uh, I did have everything on my shelves priced out in Bitcoin. Um, so I had a dual system running at that point where it was priced in, in USD and then in, in Bitcoin. Um, and I didn't have anything. How do I, I'm trying to remember the order of all of this. I did have it on my website set up and I still do where you can pay in Bitcoin, but I didn't have there. I don't, I didn't find anything. I don't know if there is something that I could use for like a, uh, uh, what do they call that? A POS system. Right. Um, that I could use. So I didn't have anything at the Renfair except for I did have my moon wallet and I did sell one piece this year at the Renfair. Um, it was a, it was a handbag. I think the guy was so stoked about being able to buy it in Bitcoin. He's like, let's do it right now. So he went yeah. ahead and he just forwarded money to my moon wallet and we just got a sale right then and there. Awesome. So yeah, that's been my, that's been our experience as well. That anybody who's, who's paid with Bitcoin has been avid about it. And they're just so excited to see a chance to use their Bitcoin mm -hmm, that, that they'll mm -hmm. use the Bitcoin for it. Yep. Right on. I was, I was thinking about generational wealth the other day, and this is maybe less of a, less of a business thing. Um, when I, when I think about businesses and I think about especially large businesses or incorporated businesses, they, they're not really tied to the founder. They're not tied to the lifespan of the, of the person behind them. Um, and then I was starting to think about Bitcoin and how, you know, how we would, how a, a normal person would die. There would be a state tax. You would liquidate everything that the person had and, you know, whatever money was left over might get passed on to the family. But with Bitcoin, it's kind of like a generational wealth, uh, thing where that, that Bitcoin can continue on with your heirs forever in a way, sort of incorporating yourself into forever as you can pass it on to your heirs. Um, I, I'm sure a government somewhere will figure a way to try or want to figure a way to try and tax that. But, but that also made me think about businesses that can hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet, just make them more and more resistant as time goes on. Um, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I actually started my company, um, with the intent, like that, that is, um, my tagline is legacy leathercraft, nice. right. Or, uh, uh, building a legacy one stitch at a time. Yeah. And, um, I, I started the company with the express intent of, uh, incorporating my children into it. Um, whether or not they do leather work. I, so the name of the company is two Ravens trading company. Um, it's kind of patterned after like the old trading companies of, of England and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, 
the idea always was that I would do leather work. And if other things came along, um, I would incorporate that under the umbrella, you know? So, but it obviously it's handcrafted, it's quality work that, that was always the, the goal. Um, so I was thinking about legacy long before Bitcoin, which when I found Bitcoin, then it was just an absolutely natural fit for me from that aspect. Um, because I, I personally don't, I, I ascribe to the idea that you need to be building legacy for your family. Like that's kind of should be your role in my view. Uh, and so Bitcoin does work with that perfectly. And, and so I've, I've kind of included my kids in, in the Bitcoin journey, you know, they're, they're very up to speed with it. And we, uh, we got them, uh, initially they had savings accounts, like traditional USD savings accounts. Right. Fiat savings. Uh, yeah. Fiat savings accounts. And I, I went ahead and they have their own wallets now and we've converted all the USD to Bitcoin. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that Bitcoin is the generate. I mean, it, and that's, that's the probably the one of the bigger misconceptions for people that don't understand Bitcoin or they're just getting into it because all we ever hear about in terms of mainstream news is like, Oh, Bitcoin is at such and such a number and it's gone up so many percent, but it's like, for me, I, I just want the value that I've put into this life to not get whittled away, you know? So Bitcoin does that by just keeping the energy that I'm putting, uh, into it at least static, you know, like at least I can hand off this energy to my kids. And that's, that's really what I, I want to do. I don't need to get filthy rich. I just need to have the riches that I do acquire not to melt, you know, like I, I think it's sailor that says, uh, um, the money in your pocket is basically just a melting ice cube, you yeah. know, and that is not something I want to engage in, you know, and it's something that I saw my grandfather deal with, you know, it's something that I watched my father deal with. Um, and we have an opportunity to kind of break that, that cycle, I guess, by offering our children something that is going to be more permanent and not diminishing, you know? Agree. Yeah. I, I really agree with you. I, I, I mean, and I agree with you about the, the, you know, maybe the mainstream media thing is really just about price. It's, it's the least interesting thing about Bitcoin that there really is, is the price. Uh, it's exciting. Agreed. Yeah. It's exciting when it goes it's, up. But that's course. a really hard concept for, for people to wrap their heads around, you know? Um, yeah. It, well, I, I especially find because, if you're orange pilling someone, they, they right, just, they just yeah. want to know how much they can make, how much can I make, which of, right. of course I was interested in too, but. Right. And, and, but that's, I mean, that's, that's a result of, you know, a hundred years of essentially like, uh, mass brainwashing, you know, we, this, this whole fiat system we've been re-educating, like you look at, just look at basic things like, uh, and maybe, maybe some folks listening in your audience will have this. I never did growing up. I never was taught how to balance a checkbook. There was no class on how money worked when I was in high school, you know, um, and that's a, that I, I am firmly convinced that's by design at this point. Um, because if you understand how the money works, then you, you're going to get real mad real quick, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so this idea that, um, uh, we need to, I'm trying to think about how best to say it, but, uh, 
I really do think it's by design and Bitcoin, because we've been taught that, you know, the design that uh, I'm saying this horribly and I apologize, but no, um, no, take your time. It's we've, it's been so ingrained in our system, you know, that this is the way it works. Like this thing is about money or that thing is about money that we've kind of removed the idea that things should be about value, not just about money. Right. Right. And so Bitcoin really should be, and is for those that understand it, it is about value, right? I don't care what my Bitcoin is worth in dollars. I just want to make sure that the value of it doesn't go away. And because of the way Bitcoin is designed, it, it really can't, you know, it has a, it has, it has a lot of, uh, virtues programmed into it that make that, uh, kind of an impossibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do know what you mean. I, I um, events in Canada, which I'm sure you're aware of recently here, where, where the government went and just, uh, froze bank accounts, uh, have, I think made a lot of people realize that, you know, the, the name written on the dollar is, you know, the Canadian government's name. So that dollar belongs to them. It, it doesn't belong to the holder. And when someone can just step in, freeze your bank account, stop all of your wealth immediately, not to mention, right. not even getting into devaluing it by printing more. Um, you know, if Bitcoin was to do nothing but stay at the exact same price it is today for now until eternity, it would be a better tool. Exactly. Yes. That's, and I say that so often and people always look at me funny and it's like, I honestly, if Bitcoin were to stay at whatever price it is today for the next 50 years, I would be super happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's, that's all I want. Like there's a, there's a, that's the other kind of sort of misconception, right? That was sort of just been ingrained into our society. This idea that that phrase, your money has to work for you, you know, uh, where does that come from? Right. It comes from the fact that for hundreds of years, well, since ever for fiat, fiat always devalues. So you have to make your money, quote unquote, work for you because otherwise you're losing money. Right. But what if you just had a money that didn't devalue? Then it doesn't have to work for you. It just has to exist. Right. That's it. You know, and that's a completely revolutionary and, and alien thought to a lot of people like this idea, well, my money isn't working for me. Well, the only reason it has to work for you is because otherwise it, it devalues and you get, you have less purchasing power with it. But if you have something like Bitcoin where it doesn't devalue, then you, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go out and put it in the stock market or trust some guy with your investments or, you know, buy a, a sketchy piece of property and try to make a profit off of it. You just got to hold it. Yeah. And I think that is so, um, like I said, it's so alien to some people because we've been sold this bill of goods about fiat for so long that it's, it's, it just makes people think it's gotta be a scam. If all I have to do is hold on to it, it's gotta be a scam, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's way too, that's way too easy. That's way it's too, too simple. No, I gotta, I gotta have, you know, uh, some sort of investment with an ROI of this amount and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm, listen, I'm, I don't have time for that. Honestly, like I don't have the brain for it and I just want my life to be simple. I don't need it to be complex with stock trades and puts and gets or outs or whatever, you know, like just let my money be valuable. Let it stay valuable. Let the hard work that I put in to earn my money 
stay inside of that instead of just wasted away into, you know, the ether. And, you know, that's all I really need. Cause I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe some people are, they don't want to work that hard or I don't, maybe it's because again, we've been taught that it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're still going to lose value. It's just, it's very, uh, it's, I, I, it's, uh, I almost feel there's, it's a subconscious thing. I'm not sure many people even realize, or maybe they look around, well, the internet doesn't help either. Social media doesn't help. And they see somebody's no, got something, sure. something else or something they want, but, but there, there is, Fiat's got a built-in incentive to get rid of it as soon as possible to, to just, I mean, even if you don't, uh, outwardly know it inwardly, you feel it. If I don't spend this thing today, you know, if I don't buy that pickup truck today, I'm not going to be able to afford it next month or next year. It's just going to be more yeah. money or a house. I mean, look at houses right now. You're, you know, I have two young kids, uh, you know, in their twenties that are just, you know, are, are, are at the point of feeling they will never own a house ever. It's just, it's an impossibility. Right. And how, how do you, and smarter people have spoken to me, uh, spoken about this than, than I have, but you know, when you have a society built like that and you're not building towards a future, you're just trying to live for today. It's disastrous. And we're starting to, I personally believe we're starting to see the fruits of that. Now you're starting to see that in, in, a lot of different areas in society that people aren't thinking about tomorrow. You know, I, I forget who it was. Somebody said um, something along the lines of like, the wise man is the one who plants a tree knowing he'll never enjoy its shade. Right. You know? Yeah. And we have lost that mentality as a culture, especially, I mean, I can only speak to Western culture, so I'm assuming, but you know, we don't think like that anymore. We think about just getting those quick hits and getting as much as you can for as little as possible. And, and that's why we see stuff like Ikea, you know, cheap furniture. I mean, if you go back, like go to a, a flea market or something and find a chair built 60, 70, 80 years ago, that thing's going to be rock solid, man. Yeah. That thing's going to be amazing, you know, and it doesn't need instructions to put it together, whatever. It's like, it was built for you. You don't have to worry about it falling apart. You don't have to find little Allen wrenches to keep it together or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a solid piece of furniture, but you buy furniture today. It's literally built to fall apart in six months. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, but you see it everywhere once you know what you start to look for. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I think you're, I think you're completely on target there. Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I was, I've been, I'm about three quarters of the way or, or through, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, which excellent talk, book. Yeah. Excellent. So you've read the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about education and, and I've just, as I'm reading this book, I'm wondering why no one else is, why is this not assigned education? Why isn't this probably one of the, the most important bits of information, you know, for some kid in high school, Mm -hmm. it, that you're going to interact with this currency that the government's decreed you're going to use for the rest of your life, uh, and hopefully not for the rest, but, but this is how the system was built. This is the failures, previous failures. This is the current failures. It's kind of built in to fail. I, I, I've, you know, I've really come to the realization here that there is no intention of ever paying off this debt. And oh, it's impossible now. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. And even, uh, even if it was possible, nobody wants to do it. There's no good reason to do it. it. The system is designed for the person in the most debt will win. 
yeah. I mean, that's and and even even people that are supposed to be like helping, like uh, I don't know if you've ever followed like uh, Dave Ramsey or Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. You know, they're they their whole you know they're supposed to be trying to help the little guy get out of debt or whatever. Robert Kiyosaki's whole thing is get into more debt. You know, just go ahead and leverage yourself and 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 get what he calls cash flow, and um, even that's kind of revolutionary, right? In the sense that, like, don't buy stuff that will don't don't go out and buy a car, right? Don't go buy a flashy car. Go buy property. So at least you could be making cash flow. Like, there's at least a a grain of you know kind of truth to what he's saying, but it's still based on, like you said, this weird love affair with debt. You know, yeah. um, and I, I, I've never been a fan of it. It's always felt unnatural to me. Unfortunately, I was stupid in my youth and I am in debt to some people and, and that sounded way shadier than I wanted it to. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant, but, uh, uh, you know, it's debt is not a good thing. Owing, owing people something isn't a good thing. And I, I am now convinced that the system is, just by the very fact that the system is designed to get you into debt should automatically be a red flag to you. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of my take on it. So. And what about growing your business? Do you, have you used debt to grow your business at all or have you grown it just organically? No, it's been, it's, I, I've had, I do have the good fortune of being able to do it from home. I don't have a shop with overhead. I've done everything in my garage here. Um, it's been a, it's been a slog. Like that's, that's really what it comes down to in my view is I could take out loans and I could have gotten the, you know, the machines and everything else to do things faster and, and, and whatever, but I would have, uh, I would have been sacrificing debt for it. You know, the only thing I've ever borrowed for, uh, was a personal loan from a friend of mine to actually get into the Ren fair. There's an entrance fee. So I borrowed that from him. And I paid it back to him within like three weeks, right? Nice. It was just a, it was just a matter of making up enough money at the rent fair to pay it back. Right. So, and that was, honestly, it was because I misunderstood how they functioned at, at the rent fair. I didn't realize I had to come up with the money up front. I thought I could pay them directly over the course of the nine weeks. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I have not taken loans out for, uh, for my equipment, um, most of my leather is actually financed by the projects that I get, you know, so somebody will come in and I'll charge them for it. And then I will buy leather that will allow me to do two or three more projects. Right. You know, so, uh, it's been, it's been shoestring. Um, but I own everything that I have right now, you know, so it's, that's a good feeling at least, you know, so I just don't like the, I've never liked the feeling of owing people. It, it does bother me. Um, and that's probably just a me thing. I mean, I'm sure that other people will argue, you know, you could be making so much more money right now if you went and got a loan and, you know, had a storefront and all of these things. But it's like, I, I just, again, it's, that's a very complicated way to do things. And for me, I'm just not built that way. So I avoid the debt if I can, you know, yeah. that's, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. I, I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people are, have trouble with debt. I think a lot of people do not, it's, it's an over, people feel it on them. You know, they can feel the weight of that debt on them that affects, it affects them. It absolutely does. Like I said, uh, we, we ran into a spot, uh, like maybe 10 years ago 
right around the financial crisis, actually, um, where we had some problems with the house and we were way behind and it just, it was, it was like hurting the marriage. It was hurting my health. You know, you sit up and you worry about these things and you're just generally like antsy, you're cranky all the time. Like it has, it has a, a long range of effect. You physical. Know, this idea of have, yeah, yeah. 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 Not only mental and, but physical. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, you know, ever since then it's definitely been just get rid of it. Like I don't, I don't want it. I would rather build slowly and build into wealth than take on debt and then have to deal with all that, you know? And like I said, pr- people will probably disagree with me on it, but for what I'm doing, it's working. So, you know, that's, I guess, I guess it's to each their own, right. you know? Do you keep your, do you keep your personal finances separate from your business finances? I have a business account. You have a business um, account? Yeah. And so I run everything through that for the business. Absolutely. Right. Uh, I think, it, and that's the other reason I, I, when I was mentioning before, everyone should have their own business write-offs, man. Yeah. Right off. You know, like if that's, if you want to talk about how the big boys play it, that's really how they do it. You know, they can, they can. So when I buy my sewing machine, you know, that's a big outlay of, of, of cash that I had to put up. But at the back end, I don't have to pay that in taxes now. You know what I mean? So everyone should have a business just if, even if, like I said, even if you're just running Etsy, you know, you pay for gas in your car. I'm sure there are going to be times when you're going to run around doing, whether, even if it's just like I put gas in this week so I could go to the post office, you know, um, that's, you can write that off. Yeah. It's, it's a miracle. And this is how all these corporations do it. These are how all the big guys do it is they, they take, you know, they take their money, they invest it into the company and then that becomes a write-off. So any profits they make gets reduced and your tax burden gets reduced. Like, you know, you got to use the system that you got, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Depreciate the equipment, depreciate the the things around the business that you can and collect the tax, you know, collect the, the rebate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Or, and the other aspect of it, like for me is I get a wholesale number now. So when I buy my materials, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to pay as much. Not paying retail anymore. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks because now I have to collect sales tax and pay that. But I mean, that's just adding, you know, a dollar onto my, my prices anyways. So, right. and again, just have a savings account set up or whatever and shunt that over to that. And then when it's due, you just pay it, you know? So, so this year with, the, with our business, we, we took, Normally we would hold significant amount of cash over our non-operating season. So we're seasonal. We, we operate through the summer. And so over the winter, we, we usually carry a big, large balance in our bank account. Uh, and that's to meet commitments over the winter. And then, and then the bigger commitments as the season starts up, you know, in the next couple of months. Uh, and so this year or last year, we took that cash balance and put it into Bitcoin instead. And, okay. and held that as the savings. And, and actually, um, so I guess what's happened is our bank account is empty, but our Bitcoin account is full as we go over the winter. And it, it, we've really kind of neutral up or down, you know, here or there. But I would say we're slightly ahead. We're more ahead than we are behind on that account. And, and what, we've, what I don't want to do is liquidate the Bitcoin either for a profit or a loss at this point. But I, I 
Yeah, what do I want to say here? I find it a safety, I find it a very nice cushion to have those profits in Bitcoin at the moment and not in the bank. Um, but I need to lend the company money going into the season if I don't want to don't want to uh, liquidate the Bitcoin. So what I what we're doing or about to do is the company will take a loan from me personally. Uh, I have a fiat job, so it'll take some of my fiat money as a loan, and then I'll charge the company interest on that loan, and I'll hold the Bitcoin as collateral if need me. I know the owner. I know where she's going. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anyway, so wh- what do you think about the about your company, or does your I don't want to dox you or anything like that for your company's no, no, no. books or anything like that. You know, Sailor's got a couple of billion on the company books right now. He's effectively a Bitcoin company. Correct. Yeah. Uh, So I am, I am a DBA. I am not, uh, I am not technically an entity. Right. Um, So for your listeners that might not know or whatever, there is a a subclass of uh, business arrangement called the DBA where essentially I'm doing business as my, as like an alter ego using my social security number. Right. So in um, Canada, we would call that a sole proprietorship in, in our. Yes. Yeah. 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 We, we have, we have a sole, sole proprietor in the States as well, but it has a different, um, it, that requires filings, I guess, official, or maybe, maybe they are the same thing. I have to admit a little bit of ignorance on this one. I just kind of do what my tax guy tells me to yeah, do. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's okay. I think, <laughs> I, I think in Canada, we have sole proprietor. We have partnership because I kind of, we went through this evolution and then eventually we went to the limited, a limited company, which is its own entity. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and essentially, you know, my, my, my tax guy was like, you're not going to have a lot of liability with leather work. So it's not something that you need to file the paperwork on and you right. know, do all that stuff. Form so, a company around. Yeah. He's like, as soon, once you get big enough, then you need to kind of do that. But for right now, like, you know, you're doing it on a shoestring. It's not really worth it. So, uh, but it's so, so for me, you know, I don't really have like a corporate save. I do have a corporate checking account. I get, you could call it a corporate checking account. Again, it's a DBA checking account. So like it has, I have checks with my business's name on them. It comes from that account, but I don't really have a savings account per se. And most of everything that I do at this point gets just plunked right back into the company. It's not really, um, I wouldn't say that I'm rolling in the dough kind of a thing, yeah. you know? So I don't think any uh, small businesses. Yeah, no, no, that's usually the case, right? Like you have enough to kind of get yourself through and, and, you know, buy your ramen, but then you got to put it right back into the, the accounts to, you know, leather's not getting any cheaper, you know, that's going to be a problem for me. We're going to look at that pretty hard this year and, um, well, everything's going up, right? I'm sure your costs are going up. And so, um, so yeah, in, in answer to your question, I don't really have a corporate savings account that I have to like, um, because I don't have, I don't really have overhead other than what's demanded of me at the time. Right. And usually I just incorporate any of those demands into the cost of the project. Right. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I, okay. And actually that kind of leads me into a question is, is as a, as a business person, what keeps you up at night? What, what is the thing that, that makes you lose sleep? As a business person? Um, Honestly, it's getting stuff done in time. It's my production level. That's really where I worry about 
having demand that will exceed my capabilities in a timely fashion. Um, I came out of last year's Ren Fair with a lot of orders that took me months to kind of catch up on, which then puts me in a position where now I'm not making new product or making new sales. So I, I'm going to have this sort of stop start situation that I need to try to, that's really my, my crunch right now is figuring out how to complete the orders I have, get new orders and then complete those all in like a smooth fashion. Right. So that's kind of kind of my problem and I, I don't know how to solve it exactly maybe it's a maybe it's not doing as much custom work and maybe just these are my product lines and you can buy these or you cannot I haven't I I don't I don't know how I want to solve that yet so that is something that keeps me up for sure so just kind of that order flow just just keeping a constant yeah, yeah a constant work level yeah yeah and like I said especially because a lot of what I do is custom based you know like they'll be like oh I want this bag but I'd like it in this color instead well right. that means I have to now go make a whole new bag in order to get this sale right as opposed to just selling what's on the shelf right there which I've already put the effort and money into so it's um it's definitely um it's not it's not an easy situation you know being as small as I am there are guys who do um what you'd call custom leather work, but they do have just product lines, you know, like they have, this is my, this is my wallet. This is what I make. You can buy this wallet or, you know, maybe. So like last year I, uh, I experimented with just doing, um, limited lines of products. So I did a, uh, a shark skin wallet and I did it in two colors and that was it. Like you can either take these or you can, and they, they actually sold. So that might end up being how I, I solve the issue is this is my standard line. And occasionally I do a custom line, you know, so, I like that. Yeah. And then yeah. I think people see value in that. They see that we've kind of talked about this value and scarcity, which is sort of the Bitcoin. Which is ethos. right back to Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Which is right back to Bitcoin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, do you think you're going to incorporate, are you going to keep using Bitcoin in the, in your business? Do you think you can incorporate this more in the business? I'll tell you what, before? I, I actually was really, I've been playing with the idea of just going only Bitcoin, to be honest. Oh. Um, so I just, it's just something that is so, as we've talked about, like this entire episode here, I, I just don't see any, like it's so good. Why wouldn't I want it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it is going to cause a problem. The only, the only re reason I'm kind of hesitant to pull the trigger is because it is still. So like my response last year, you know, I had ranges from people rolling their eyes. Oh, it's Bitcoin, oh, whatever to people going, what does SATs, what are SATs, right? Sats. Yeah. Cause that's how I priced it out. Um, to people being like, do you take Doge? And I was like, no, I don't take that. Um, so I had, I ran the gamut on it. And, and I, like I said, I only got one sale in nine weeks. So I really want to be the guy that's like Bitcoin or go home. And, but I'm also stuck with this whole idea of like, yeah, I need to pay for things, you know, like my wife would like me to make some money at some point. That would be good. So I, I think that's a real challenge right now. I, I think it would be challenging to go 100% Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I Yeah, I, I, I think there are people that can do it based on their what they do for a living. If you're a freelancer, software guy, and you just want to be, you know, 
paid in, in Bitcoin. Okay. That I could see that working, you know? Um, I do, I do think that what I will do is I will basically offer a prorated price. So instead of, uh, and that's kind of what I did last year, but not probably to the extent I should have, but just maybe, you know, just whatever, like if I'm going to price it at $50 USD, then in Bitcoin, it would be 40, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and just say you can, you can choose to pay in Bitcoin or you can get upcharge for using USD. I might go with that tactic. I'm not sure. We, we have so. gone to, it's, it's an educational incentive really is, is the way I see it. Um, you know, we've, we've added a, a full Bitcoin page with, with an explainer on it and some education links and resources in it, you know, for people who want to go mm-hmm. further. But, but basically at this point in time, we're going to give you a, with Bitcoin's price today, you're going to get a 50% discount, actually more than that, oh, there you go. about a 60% discount to just go learn. Uh, I mean, obviously the people already know, I guess what I saw really encouraging and uh, I'm not sure if you were aware that they had raised for this truck convoy across the country, nearly $10 million bef- with mm-hmm. GoFundMe before it was shut down. And then they started a fundraising for Bitcoin and that Bitcoin fundraiser got to a little over a million Canadian dollars. Yeah. They got like 21 Bitcoin, I think. Or something, yeah. Didn't abs- they? Absolutely incredible. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, yeah. I mean, my take on that was, was you could, was basically 10% participation. You know, if, if regular mm-hmm. no coiners were out dropping money on GoFundMe while the coiners were dropping, you know, were represent 10% of those people that were willing to, to make a donation in another format, which I thought was really interesting. A, a lot more adoption than I really thought was out there. I think that Justin Trudeau should probably get the Bitcoin salesman award of the year oh, because he, <laughs> he definitely put Bitcoin right on the map, you know, Squarely so, on the map, like yeah. making a base case. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. I can see in Twitter, the, the Bitcoin, you know, the Bitcoin Twitter is in a war at the moment, you know, just discussing the best, best methods here. I mean, mm-hmm. we can already see them. Well, how can we do this better next time? How could the fundraiser be set up? How are we going to manage this already quickly? Bitcoin people are already planning the way forward on this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the groundwork has been laid for 13 years. Um, and we're just starting to get into this real world application stuff now. It's, it's always kind of been, at least as I understand it, it's been for the fringe who kind of got it and they played amongst themselves, but now we're starting to get into everybody's looking at it. And, you know, I, I orange pilled my parents last year and it's, it's like they, they would have never looked at it if I hadn't kind of you know, held their hand and prodded them and pulled them along. And, and it's, it's not, you know, it's because I don't want to see them work their entire lives and get to retirement and then have nothing to show for it, essentially. Right. You know, like I was worried for them. So you start, I think you're going to see that a lot more where these, uh, and we are seeing like companies like yours. Um, there's, there's been a lot of coffee companies I know, um, that are starting to accept Bitcoin. You have an entire nation in El Salvador, I do think it's going to become more and more mainstream. Um, do you, I went, I wanted to ask you real quick, does your yeah. point of service actually accept Bitcoin? No, unfortunately not. And okay. what ideally we have a online booking system. That's a, you know, a company that specializes in that. And 
there, uh, the APIs that work in that are, you know, Visa, MasterCard, sort of through those, those systems. Right. I think at one time they had Bitcoin. I think there was, there's probably a complication in who actually has the Bitcoin, you know, mm. whether it could, I, I think it's just sort of a technological barrier, but I don't think it's all that tough, a tough, a thing to solve, you know, some way to route it directly to them. Person says, Bitcoin yeah, I use, um, for my model. website, I have Shopify and I use a BTC pay server. Right. So that's that, but I don't think I can do it on my my point of service application from Shopify. Right. Or at least I couldn't, I couldn't last year. Maybe they've updated it. I'm not sure, but I think that would probably be the fastest way to adoption is if we could get like, have you ever played with, um, strike? I don't know if Canada has, we strike don't yet. have strike yet. Okay. I th- yeah. Right. Which unfortunately that, unfortunate. that premise where it's like, it's dollars and Bitcoin, like just interchangeable all day long. Yeah. I think that would be, if somebody could come up with a point of service like that, that would be really great. That would, that would definitely help adoption. I think. Yeah. Our website, our, our, uh, our merch store for lack of a better word for it, not our actual, you know, base, base business, but our merchandise, uh, is WooCommerce based. And okay. th- yeah, that yeah. has a payment rail that you can use with Bitcoin. And I don't know if you have to have your own BTC pay server set up for it. If they, they manage something in there, I, I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look again. I did do some research and I, and I, I did have a workaround if I needed to, you know, do a payment online. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's convenience and, and friction, isn't it? You know, people, people love convenience. It's, it's definitely incentivized to pull the credit card out and just give it to you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's going to be the next step is that somebody's going to figure out how to do a credit card, you know, yeah. where it is just interchangeable. Yeah. Um, if the credit card companies don't figure it out themselves right away. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that MasterCard is playing with it, but we're just, and then maybe that's kind of the exciting part of all of this, right? Is that if you're a business that's looking to get into Bitcoin, you're kind of right on the leading edge. So like, it's kind of scary. But if you've already taken the leap to start your own business, then why not take the leap to start your business in the next century? You know what I mean? Like, let's get out of the 1900s way of thinking and let's start moving towards the money of the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That, that, that actually, that's actually kind of maybe a, you know, a good place to lead into my final question for you. What, what Bitcoin news has you excited? What's, what's got you most excited about Bitcoin? Uh, what's got me excited? Yeah. Hmm. About Bitcoin. There's a lot of news out there. Um, I think the Canada thing is, is a net plus to Bitcoin. Um, and I am looking forward to this season, given that, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think people can just ignore it forever anymore. And, uh, so that does have me pretty excited about it because, uh, I, I, I am definitely hearing from more people that I didn't necessarily hear from. I have a feeling that next year when I'm at the Ren Fair and I have everything, you know, plastered up, I'm going to get a lot more responses to the positive yeah, as opposed to kind of rolling their eyes. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Um, so, uh, you want to give us your website one more time, Doug? And, and mm-hmm. where people can find you at your business? Yeah, you can find me at uh, 2 Ravens Trading 
com. You know what? Give me two seconds. Let me just double check that because it's been so... Yeah, TwoRavensTrading.com. Um, you can find my stuff there. I have a lot of it taken down right now. Like I said, I was, I'm still kind of playing catch up a little bit on projects. Um, so I've not been looking for a whole lot of new stuff. But if you ever have any questions or need anything or... Um, you can, you can find my Instagram through there. There's a lot of pictures of the stuff I do. Uh, that's, uh, at two Ravens trading. Um, Facebook I think is at two Ravens trading as well. So at two Ravens trading pretty much anywhere. And, uh, if you need something, just, uh, let me know. Cool. That's great. You got Especially any- if you want to pay in Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got anything else for anybody? Anything else you'd like to say? Anything? No, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, no, thank you very much. That's, that's awesome. I'll, I'll make sure we put the links in the, uh, in the show notes and, um, yeah, really enjoyed that. The small business, big Bitcoin podcast is sponsored by Victoria kayak tours and rentals located in beautiful downtown Victoria, British Columbia. We accept Bitcoin and lightning payments. Check us out at victoriakayak.com.